Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I'm excited as we begin to venture today down the road into a new series called Apostolic Solutions. In our last series, A Mature Apostolic Prophetic, we highlighted and placed special and somewhat provocative emphasis on what we're seeing today in this era in church history as in extreme prophetic or overemphasis of the prophetic. We don't throw the prophetic away, but we look for a level of health that is able to meet the apostolic also needing to be healthy. So the two can function together, bringing forth an authority in the body of Christ that gets the job done. And so we wanted to make the shift into what we're calling apostolic solutions. I always say that the gospel of the kingdom is a result-oriented gospel. And there are things that the apostolic can do and apostles that have that grace can do as far as the execution and establishing of what the prophets have received, the inspiration of the Lord that the prophetic church today is able to receive. But how do we How do we get results? (laughs) How do we take that thing we heard and walk that out practically? And if you've ever asked that question, you're just not alone. All over the world, we're beginning to uh, uh, want to answer the question of what do we do now? We've prayed, we've prophesied, and we haven't necessarily seen the discipleship of our nations. Well, there is more. And I want to begin today by highlighting the office of apostle, the gift of apostle, but in a way, quickly, before you turn this off, (laughs) but in a way that you probably haven't heard before. It's no secret, we've had decades of understanding, teaching, training, um, conferences on the, the ministry of the apostle, no shortage of books, Uh, Various church authorities and leaders have have laid incredible foundation. And usually with a topic like the Apostle, we very quickly shift into uh, theology and we shift into theory. And we pull that thing apart, we get into the Greek, the, the this, the that, what it meant in that particular era and culture. All of that is good, but that kind of study is only as good as its ability for us to recognize real apostles today and actually walk this thing out. And you might be surprised that there are notable features and aspects of the ministry of the apostolic that are so profound, so almost mysterious, that they're worth talking about. And I want to come at it from an angle you may have never heard before. And I think you're going to learn something today. I'm going to take my time because it's it's just worth it. But Just to further underscore, as we leave the era of the apostle as a top-down hierarchical model, and you've got the business card, and you've got to make sure everybody knows you are an apostle, and, and you see a lot of flesh, a lot of jockeying for position, a lot of needing to be seen uh, surrounded the ministry of the apostle. Why is that? Well, if you view the ministry of the apostle as a top-down hierarchical structure where the apostle is at the top, 
that's going to have ramifications and you're going to feel the need to let everybody know you're the boss, unfortunately. But when we get into the genuine apostolic and the ministry of the apostle from a New Testament context, you find out that pyramid is easily flipped over on its head and you get more of an image of a suffering servant than uh, uh, an old war general or, or boss uh, telling everybody what to do because they've achieved some level of, of status. So, so we're, we're past the days of the business card and all of that. It's also important for me to mention that when we talk about apostleship, it, also, it doesn't come by way of business card uh, or notoriety or popularity, but it also doesn't come by age. Uh, I will hear this at times where somebody reaches the age of 60 and they've pastored for a number of years and now that they're 60 and have some experience, and this is no disrespect to any of my elders, but uh, now I'm an apostle and, and it's kind of a rite of passage that you enter into. And so you get a bunch of, you know, apostolic fathers in the room and they kind of decide and vet who's a real apostle and, and who's not. And the reality is Apostle Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down at you because you're young. Of course, apostleship requires maturity and, and all of that is just a given that that's the case. But, but we've almost turned the gift of apostle into something to be sought after when, when you really enter into the realms of the mystery of the struggle of the apostle. It's something you almost don't want to attain to. It's something that's God-given, and I want to go deep into that. The scripture I want to highlight for you today is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, Who was declared the Son of God with power. That's an important part right there. The signs and wonders that follow a genuine apostle or apostolic ministry, but there's a reason for that. We know signs and wonders follow those who believe, but there's a different measure and level of power that functions with an apostle, and I want to tell you why. The Son of God, with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, this is really important in understanding the office and gift of apostle, by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Really key there. Grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. So herein lies one of our, our conflicts is we tend to think that the office of apostle is for you to just kind of oversee a bunch of people. You have a number of churches under you, and it's to bring about the obedience of all the saints, but doesn't actually say that. It's to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. So there's a purpose in apostleship, hence why you're sent, apostle, meaning sent one or emissary. An apostolic ministry is a sending ministry. Why? You've got to send people to where the Gentiles are. I'm not saying that if you oversee a bunch of churches and have a network, that you're not an apostle. We'll get into that. But we're seeing something profound here in that the primary ministry of the apostle is to be sent and to bring about obedience of faith, to bring nations into faith, to bring people into faith. And, and that can be in the boardroom, the marketplace. That can be in we, the, the school that you teach in. Wherever you are as a sent one, uh, the, the nature of the apostolic goes with you. The assignment of Christ 
to bring about obedience of faith among the Gentiles. So I'm going to come back to grace and apostleship because it's going to be key. I'm going to give you five points that are really important. And, uh, and you're going to see this brought out. Romans 1 is our anchor today. But number one, an apostle is one who is sent. You probably know this already. Like an emissary, uh, they are sent out with a message. They're bringing the kingdom. And whenever a church, if they're truly apostolic, majors on equipping and sending, that might not mean you're an apostle as you're sent out into the marketplace but you're carrying apostolic ministry. It's the function of the apostolic to send people, and you can't send them if they're not equipped. So all of that hovers around uh, an apostle. But an apostle is a sent one. And then uh, this also begs the question a little bit, when we lock up our apostles into a very ecclesiastical old model, they're, they're sitting there locked up in the church just as an overseer of things, uh, it begs the question, is, is the true apostolic being demonstrated there? Sometimes I ask that when we equip and send people through History Makers training and I see the results they're getting out there in society. Who are the real apostles? It's a good question. Number two, an apostle is given a particular grace. And here is that grace and apostleship thing that we highlighted in Romans there. They're given a grace. It's a, it's a gift. And it's something that's given to you by our chief apostle, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I know all of the fivefold have a grace. And I'm not making the apostle office the super gift or something. But, but there's a notable grace on apostles that just takes them and does things through them that are beyond human capacity. I say that intentionally. How I like to define grace when we talk about that, is the supernatural power of God flowing in and through the human being. The supernature of God flowing in and through the human being. It's divine empowerment. It's a power that's coming from somewhere else and it's functioning through the vehicle of the human being. That's really important because you cannot strive enough, you cannot use human tools enough to establish the kind of apostleship that brings about the obedience of, 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 of faith in society and, and whole nations for that matter. If you've ever looked at a man or woman being used by God to subdue a nation, you stand back and say, that could not be the work of man. No amount of hard work and striving can do that. You're left saying it's a grace. It's a grace that rests on the apostle. And this is interesting because... If we look at the life of Apostle Paul and you see the power that was at work in and through him and you hear him refer to grace and he, he actually says he was given thorns in the side and he prayed to God. I mean, this is somebody who saw prayers answered and he prayed to God that the thorns would be removed and God answered him by saying, my grace is sufficient for you, meaning my grace is enough. You need my grace. You need my divine power to accomplish the apostolic work that I've given to you. Then it goes on to say, <laughs> and this is so amazing, for power is perfected in weakness. Herein lies a picture of the mechanics of the apostle. The behind-the-scenes struggle, 
the profound struggle of the apostle that in the economy of the kingdom, the way by which you access God's divine power, which you can't do apostolic ministry without anyways, no matter how good your newsfeed is or Instagram or how big your church is even or, or whatever you've got going on, you cannot do apostolic work without that divine power. God says to Paul, power is perfected in weakness, meaning, Paul, I've got to keep you on your knees. I've got to keep you weak according to the flesh so that you can access my divine power. Because if, if you get too proud, if you start using human tools, if you think you can do this thing on your own, you're going to shift out of a posture. You're going to disqualify yourself from my divine power that you need. You're going you're gonna to move yourself right out of the realm where apostolic grace is. Remember what we mentioned from Romans chapter 1, the power who was declared the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. So where are we getting grace and apostleship? We're getting, from, we're getting it from someone who was raised from the dead and carries both the crucifixion and resurrection life power working within him, Jesus Christ. You may have to listen, watch this again, listen to this again. But Jesus Christ, as our chief apostle, carried both the crucifixion and the resurrection in one body. And so when we dare to tap into that, that power, that grace as an apostle to subdue whole nations and segments of society, to have usual, unusual breakthrough influence... We're talking about the need for the thorns that will keep you in, in the crucified life and keep the flow of divine power to keep that happening and moving through you. This is just so, so powerful. So hence why the thorns, the thorns qualified, the weakness qualified Paul for supernatural ministry. And you wonder why we don't see more power, why we aren't seeing more men and women of God doing the works of the book of Acts. Well, it's simply we've gotten really good at doing ministry in our own strength. We've gotten really good at building churches with everything but the resurrection life power of Jesus. And this is why a real apostles know why they suffer. A true apostle knows why their journey was hard. A real apostle knows why they were betrayed. A real apostle is able to point and tell stories of when they went through this and after that came what we call promotion, but I like to call it kingdom influence. After that came extraordinary kingdom influence and the work of the ministry was easy because of the things by which they suffered. I could just stay on that for a long time, but just quickly I mentioned the signs and wonders and the power part. One of the reasons why such great power and such great signs and wonders accompany apostolic ministry and a true apostle is because of that grace factor. Divine power, signs and wonders, miracles, healings, the power gifts are a byproduct of Jesus. <laughs> they follow Jesus. So when you get Jesus in you, when that apostolic grace is on you through suffering and trial and all that God takes you through, when that grace comes on you, I mean... Signs and wonders are miracle, and miracles are just the order of the day. They're just confirming and accompanying. And we don't even major on that because the apostle is in the business of dealing with nations. So 
This is for the mature today. But along with that, another reason why you'll, you'll see with true apostles, they can tell stories of encounters with the person of Jesus. I know we, we kind of at one point in the church got a little dogmatic and we said that you're not a true apostle unless you've had an encounter with Jesus. Uh, you have to have seen Jesus in the flesh to be an apostle because Paul did. And so we had people telling all kinds of stories of how they, they saw Jesus just to validate their apostleship. I have found that most of the time, true apostles that I've run into do have stories of encountering the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can count on my hand, maybe, maybe only on a few fingers, the encounters I've had personally with the person of the Lord Jesus after that came a grace to do exploits in ministry, doors to nations open. This thing is really real. But I have never uh, bought into the belief that you have to have this epic story of, of seeing the, the white hair of Jesus and his, his feet in sandals uh, to, to, to officialize or validate your apostleship. I just haven't been able to get there as yet. But oftentimes you'll find they have stories like that we know of Apostle Paul, uh, and I always find this interesting, when denominations get into a voting system and they vote in these leaders, which are often just glorified administrators, but, but they vote in these leaders to lead as if, a, as if an apostle can be voted in. And this is funny to me because we even see with the disciples, they needed to replace Judas, and so they slipped into a bit of a voting system there where they cast lots, and uh, the lot fell on Matthias. Matthias was voted in, and we, we really never hear about Matthias after that. But here comes Paul, the apostle, and says, Look, I know I wasn't voted in, but I was riding my horse, and I, was not, I, I saw the Lord Jesus, and I was knocked off my horse, and apparently I'm called. You know, this is the difference. This is not that. And so Apostle Paul has seen the Lord Jesus, and for a great portion of his ministry, he's going around having to try to prove that he's called by God. Isn't this the journey of the Apostle? And that's why, not always, but sometimes, in these denominational political models, you have a dynamic of true apostles and apostolic leaders being kicked out. I'll just say it, because it just doesn't fit. The truly called will respond to what the Lord is telling them to do, and it upsets the political dynamic. It doesn't fit within the lobbying uh, political system of how we hire and fire pastors in some of our denominations. Wow. You know, I, I feel like maybe we even need to cut this as the first episode, or should I keep going? How many minutes are we into here? 21 minutes. I, I wonder, wonder if I should do a part two on this because this is so loaded, guys. I, uh, I think maybe we'll stop there because what was just said there in the last 20 minutes needs to be digested because if you digest it and process it, you will begin to see this and understand it, and you'll seek after it. Lord, use me. In my weakness, use me. Your whole perspective on ministry and result-oriented ministry will change. You, you, you will see the futility and vanity 
in, uh, in striving when the grace isn't there. So I think we're going to do that. We'll see you next time <laughs> on Transformation Generation Podcast. I love the grace I'm feeling on this, this new series, Apostolic Solutions, already. God bless you. Coming up next week, the kind of betrayal that an apostle goes through, I like to call choreographed betrayal. <laughs> an arranged hit. <laughs>